T-Wolves blow a 17-point first-half lead and lose to the Magic. They drop to 34-15 and 15 on the year. And I got the expert, Tyler Metcalf. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man. Been a while. Tyler Metcalf on Twitter, at TMetcalf11. And Tyler, before we jump into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $200 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's $200 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on NBA. All right, man. Here's your uh here's your quick elevator 30-second pitch summary. Wolves up 17 in the first half. Ant leaves the game with a little knee injury scare there for a little bit. Magic, give them credit, man. Magic, they clawed their way back. They outscored the Wolves by 10 in the fourth quarter. They end up winning it 108. 106 offense defense turnovers everything that could have went wrong did for the wolves in that second half but you know i'll just kick things off and hand it over to you what's the big takeaways here and i guess bigger picture too how important was it to win a game like this on paper you're supposed to win that four out of five times especially knowing you got the nuggets thunder and clippers all nipping at your heels that's got to eat them up right yeah and it's just a kind of a, a missed opportunity to get what should be a relatively easy win. Orlando's a solid team. They're big, they're physical, they're athletic, they're young, um, and they're feisty, as we saw tonight, and they've been that way all year. But just you, you execute your stuff, you run it. They executed on defense. The defense was good tonight. It was the offensive letdown yet again, and it's just kind of similar trends that we keep seeing popping up game by game. Um, and it's not just the late game stuff where it's it's popping up in the middle and, you know, big chunks in the middle of the game too. So it, it's just kind of that consistent lackluster approach to the offensive end that continues to um, kind of, that th they just kind of keep shooting themselves in the foot with. Uh, Wolves shot 21% in the fourth quarter, I believe. 21%, maybe 22. Maybe I'm shortchanging them a little bit. Let's go 22. 22% in the fourth quarter. Uh, the defense fell apart too, man, and, and really didn't play their part like we're used to seeing anyways this year. Again, give Orlando credit. They really fought and battled back. But who gets the most blame tonight, especially when the wheels fell off in that second half and at the end of the game too? Um, we can go into that a little bit more here later on. But the offense... The defense, a specific player or two, the coaching, who gets the most blame in that one? Um, yeah, an easy answer is Jaden McDaniels and Mike Conley. Uh, brutal shooting nights for both of them. Um, game lows, you know, Jaden was a minus 12. Conley was a minus 13. Uh, Conley, one of nine shooting. Jaden, four of 10. Um, questionable foul at the end there. I I can kind of understand what his thought process is there, where Paolo turns on him. He doesn't want to give up an open dunk. So, you know, saved a couple seconds, try and force him to miss a free throw. Uh, still wasn't the right call. Rudy was in the paint. But regardless, those are the easy answers. I, I still think it comes down to Anthony Edwards, though. If this is going to be your team, if you're going to be the next face of the league, if you're going to be this perennial all-star, 
you, you can't dribble the air out of the ball on every possession from halftime through the end of the game. And the, the offense got completely bogged down. The ball movement disappeared. And we saw possession after possession of just maybe one, maybe at best two passes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was Ant not moving the ball. He was looking for his own shot. He was settling for um, a lot of jump shots that were heavily contested. He was two of eight from three um, and seven of 10 from two point range. So would have liked to see that kind of shift more towards the rim because when he got downhill, he was getting whatever he wanted, wanted. He was patient. He was navigating uh, traffic, but he settled for so many tough jumpers that he just never got in a rhythm and and they all felt really forced. How about that last possession or two magic up to 30 seconds left. I know you kind of just touched on it, but let's go a little bit further deep dive into that. I mean, you can let them run out the clock, you know, that, that 24 seconds, just try to D up, which it looked like they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned it. McDaniels ends up following with like nine seconds left. I know Jim Pete didn't like it on the broadcast. Were you in the same boat or, or what was your thoughts the way they played out that final minute or so? Yeah, and I, I I almost would have rather had them just foul right away with like oh, right. 26, Absolutely. 27 foul. seconds Do it left. right away. Yeah, um, because you know Jim kept mentioning that you, that you don't need to, and and technically they did because there was like that one and a half to three ish second gap uh, between the game clock and the shot clock. So in a perfect scenario, you get a stop, you get a rebound, you immediately call timeout, you advance the ball. Um, I, I just think that that leaves you so little room for error, though. And sure. with how brutal the offense had looked tonight, I almost would have rather had them just foul Orlando right away, put them on the line early, apply that pressure right away, and maybe they miss a shot there. And then you're able to either get a quick two foul again or put up a three and tie it. Um, so I, I, I think just fouling right away would have kind of been my approach. Uh, fouling when they did, though, it, it was the wrong decision. I. I kind of, like I mentioned, I think I'm pure speculation here. Mm-hmm. I in the Jaden's thought process was crap. Paulo turned on me. I'm now out of position. I don't want to give up a free dunk here. Sure. Just try and make him earn both of these and save two seconds that he would have, you know, ran off the clock on a drive, but you know, Rudy's in the paint. You got to just let him go there. So it, it, it was tough. It was tough. It, it was just really poor execution all around. What frustrates you the most when you watch games like these games that, uh, again, I'm not saying there's any gimmies in this league. I know that everybody's a professional, but three games in a row at home playing a sub 500 team. Now these are supposed to be these, you know, kind of tune up games here. I mean, these are the teams that not only are you supposed to win, but games you're supposed to feel like you're in control for the large majority of the game. And it felt like that in the first half, again, up 17, that was their largest lead. Um, You know, all of a sudden you look though, and, had to leave the game there for a little bit. We'll get into that here later on in segment two. But, you know, you look up and it's like, oh, my God, it's a tied game all of a sudden. You know, what What was the most frustrating part of the way the Wolves played tonight, though? Again, turnovers, defense, communication at times. What made you pull your hair out the most tonight? Just the lack of effort. Um, yeah. They were just kind of the, the, the starters mainly were just really sleepwalking and just going through the motions. Um Jaden minus 12 on the night, Cat minus eight on the night, uh, Conley minus 13 on the night, and, you know, Anthony Edwards, one rebound tonight. That's inexcusable. And there were a lot of times in this game where either Cat or Anthony Edwards were just ball watching and not boxing out, and it immediately led to a tip-in or a back cut to a layup. Um, just really basic stuff that's 100% just effort-based. And 
that kind of stuff continuously popping up um, is brutal. And it's why it's a direct cause to why you lose this type of game. Uh, they shot 31.6% from three tonight. No one had a good shooting night. That's going to happen that, you know, it is what it is. Those types of games happen. You can't always avoid that, but what you can't avoid is just not trying and not giving a crap on defense. And for long stretches, that's what they did. And we saw in, at the end of the third quarter how much different the offense looked, how much better the defense looked when Kyle Anderson, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Nas Reed came in. There was that yeah. injection of energy and passion and give a crap factor, and they built back up like an 8- to 10-point lead uh, to close out the quarter. Starters came back in immediately went away and then ended up losing the game because they weren't boxing out. They lost the second chance points, uh, 18 to 10. Uh, they lost the offensive rebounding rate, 28.6 to 15. Not great. Not, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a, a weird night when Kyle Anderson leads the team in plus minus with plus 10 Kyle Anderson. Yeah. What's going on? Just full moon out there. Or what's going on? Something goofy is going on. Uh, Jim P talked about in the pregame interview that they had to win the rim tonight, had to win at the rim. Talked about how, you know, Orlando loves to attack the basket. So you knew that'd be a, a big key in this one. And in turn, the battle of the bigs, right? I mean, that was going to play a big role in the outcome. How'd they do in that phase specifically tonight? Because Rudy tied with the team lead 22 points, man. And we don't, first of all, we just don't say that often. Rudy tied with the team lead 22 points, adding another 16 boards. I think he had two blocks as well. He was on a mission tonight after not getting that all-star nod. Yes, and through like the first two thirds or so of the game, uh, it was really good. And the the shot selection from both teams was it felt very you know nineteen nineties early two thousand esque where yeah. everything was in the paint, everything was attacking the rim, uh, and both teams were really um, finishing there and kind of executing in those areas of the floor and Orlando kept to their game plan. They kept attacking the rim. They kept utilizing their physicality and their size. They ended up with 43 or 43% of their shots coming at the rim and they shot 72% there. Mm -hmm. uh, conversely, Minnesota shot 74% at the rim, which is incredible. But for the first two thirds of the game, about 60% of their shots are coming at the rim. That ended up at 33%. And, 43% of their shots came from three on an off shooting night. That's where the offensive feel and decision-making issues really come into play because you see that shot distribution shift from an area where you're killing them, where you are finishing almost everything you put up to an area where you're having zero success. And that's what happened tonight. And that's really where we saw that offensive um, kind of collapse come from. Yeah, OKC won tonight as well, by the way. That means the Wolves are now tied for first place with the Clippers and Nuggets, man. Just just breathing down their neck. I got that kind of top tier right there. All four of those teams kind of clumped together. All right, plenty more deep dive from this one, including Ants play tonight. And that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, check this out. New customers, you're getting $200 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. $200 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You will not find a better promo than this all year long, and you don't even have to win. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. 
and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. I just want to touch on this real quick because it was kind of a big talker the last 24, 36 hours or so. And find 40K for calling out the refs after that OKC game. I, I want to know... If you think there's any merit to the frustration this year, not getting some calls that a lot of other guys seem to get on a nightly basis, that's kind of the big talking point there. And I know they come out with that last two-minute report after every game and tell you what they got wrong, which is great. Got to love that. But it really hasn't seemed to fix anything as far as Ant's concerned, so to speak, from what I've seen anyways. But you tell me. I'm just curious your take on Ant, the fine, the fouls, and you know, really at the end of the day, how beneficial – is that report really when it comes down to getting more calls right on the court, more consistent night in and night out? I I think the last two minute report is pretty useless because it, it doesn't change anything. And at sure. best it's like, Hey, you're right to be disgruntled about how we screwed up our jobs. So it's like, what, what are we accomplishing here? It's, you know, I, I, I don't know. And the fact that, you know, that that's that no call on Shea was still considered the correct call. I, I don't know, but yeah. I, yeah. regardless, and the overall, the complaining um, about foul calls, it's, it's just, yeah, tire, how about the complaining, man? Because he, like, first of all, you, I say this all the time. You could not pay me enough to be a ref. It's oh, like a God, lose, no. lose job, man. It's you so do cool. everything perfect and nobody even gives you a pat on the back. You make one call wrong and boom, it's the end of the world. People are calling for your head, but uh, the complaining, man, you see it with cat. You still do see it with cat all the time, but and specifically, you know, it, and it's ramped up even more. So it feels like as the season's gone on, is that almost just as frustrating uh, as not getting the calls? And I get it from Ant's perspective, man, that's brutal, but at a certain point, maybe you try something different, try something new, and just you know, going a little bit more tight lipped. Easy for me to say, I get it. But what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and it it just doesn't accomplish anything. It, it players complaining to the refs has never overturned a call in the history of youth to professional sports. A referee has never gone. Mm, you know what? After I called it this way, and you complained about it, I think you're right. I'm going to overturn it and switch it back to this other thing. And a lot of the times, it just it creates this. This toxic relationship between the players and the refs, and it just makes things so much worse. And you know, I know the rebuttal to that is, well, look at guys like James Harden and you know, sure, Shea Sh and Embiid, and how much they kind of grovel to the refs and manipulate them and get to the line. And a lot of that is because of how crafty they are at drawing the foul at, mm -hmm. at drawing fouls. It's a real skill that they've developed. And yeah, some of them, the, the disparity between, you know, we see Ant get clobbered on the forearm or hit over the head and there's no whistle. And then Embiid gets, you know, a, a brush foul and is falling into the third row. It's rough. It's frustrating. I get why they're frustrated, but it's not going to change anything. And all, what it constantly does, and we saw it again tonight, it takes them out of the play. It takes them out of the game because now instead of just worrying about getting a bucket, they're worried about trying to get a call and then immediately complaining about it. They're not getting back in on defense. They're botching the layup. They're yelling at the refs while the other teams go in the other direction. And yeah. now they're out of the play. So it, it's just annoying. It, it, it really, really is. 
Yeah, tough to watch for sure. Uh, he had that injury scare as well. I wanted to touch on that. Hobbled off to the locker room, looked mm-hmm. like a knee injury. Uh, had everyone holding their breath in the target center for 20 minutes or so. He comes back, though, ends up putting up 22 points. Wednesday, though, that was the first time he didn't have double-digit scoring. He ended the uh, game with eight points. I think he went a full two quarters without even attempting a shot, Jack said. So Jack let out a little frustration on the postcast after that one. Totally get it. I did notice, though, a lot of people in the stream and in the comments, I always check these comments the next morning, push back a little bit on Jack saying he still affected the game in a big way in the positive, uh, facilitating the ball, soaking up double coverage and attention, getting other guys open looks. Just curious your overall thoughts on Ant's performance as of late, you know, Wednesday night and tonight. What grade maybe are you handing out? And I guess what's been the biggest area of concern or improvement, I guess you'd like to see with Ant as of late? Yeah, and I, I kind of get where both sides are coming from there. Because, I, I do too. Like, you, you look at the box score and you see Ant have seven assists and four rebounds. It's like, all right, solid solid performance. Um, but it never really feels like in these games where he just completely tunes out offensively and he's still able to kind of get some of those numbers. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's totally engaged and he's totally there. Um, it And he's had a couple of those recently where he's just kind of checked out almost um so maybe the optimistic view is it's the doldrums of the season these guys are just eager for that all-star break they need a week off um and you know we're just kind of crawling to the finish line there and then as the season you know comes to an end stuff starts picking back up um but it's for him he just kind of needs to find that that balance between being this uber um high volume scorer and facilitating and doing the little things and affecting the game in different ways when his shot isn't always falling. And a lot of the time that's just attacking the rim more. Um, And that kind of feeds into what we just talked about with the fouls. It gets a little harder to do that when you're not getting foul calls because the mentality shifts from, okay, I can attack the rim, create for others, potentially draw a foul to have to go throw my body into these seven footers and get nothing out of it. So I think it's a mix of frustration and just he's still 22. It, he's really young, and we're expecting stuff from that we would expect from a 27-year-old battling for MVP awards. Yeah, easy to forget, man. 22 years old, and again, uh, still going through some ebbs and flows, still developing, still progressing year by year, game by game. But clearly, and this is his own fault in a great way, he has set the bar so high for himself. We yes. expect greatness now uh, on a nightly basis for sure. And and you're right. I think everybody on this team just itching for that all-star <laughs> break finally. Uh, I don't even want to say it out loud, but what would this team look like if he were to go out and miss some time for say a week, two, three weeks, whatever, you know, it may be because that was a real possibility running through everybody's head there while he hobbled off to the uh, uh, locker room there, checking on that knee. Like who are the two or three guys you immediately think of that would have to step up the most. And you know, how much would the game plan change the scheme change without his presence and just raw talent, let alone help and run everything on the court. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be dramatic here, but if he goes down, like to, night, let's night. just say he, let's just say he has like a meniscus injury and yeah. is done for the season like Joel Embiid might have sure. um season's over their their offense i think right now their offensive rating is like 19th in the league which is really bad yeah. um if he goes down that's i would expect that to plummet to bottom 5 mm-hmm. um because no one else on this team can consistently get their own shot and create mm-hmm. for others uh mm-hmm. he's really the only reliable off the dribble threat um 
you know, at, we, we see Carl do some of it. We see Niles Reed do some of it, but a lot of that is off of drive and kick stuff where they're attacking a rotating defense. So yeah. And if let's just say worst case scenario, Anthony Edwards had torn his ACL there that it wouldn't shock me if they fell into a playing game scenario. All right. Quick look at the schedule on deck and that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, this episode brought to you by Quiz. Quiz, it's the next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge and sports games. And for Lockdown Wolves fans, they've created a new NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. And you can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. And I personally, I've had so much fun playing it. Just go to app.quiz.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three-pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champions. We always do this usually on a on a game-to-game nightly basis, but just give me a quick 60 seconds on this Magic team, man. I, I know they're in the East. We don't see them a lot. We don't see them a ton. Sub-500 team, but between Wagner... Bencaro, guys like Suggs. I mean, they got a nice little core, nice little young nucleus, it feels like, to build around. Do you think they're close or have the parts if they can just keep developing some of those young guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I They're, they're really on the, the right track. Um, they got off to an incredible start the first 30-ish games of the season. In a um, bad way? No, very oh, good. Okay. They were like a top four, top five seed in the East through about 30 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've really relied on their size and their defense. They've been a really, really, really good defensive team all season. And, you know, Minnesota's own Jalen Suggs has been a big reason for that. We saw how obnoxious he was defending Conley tonight. Um, he's incredibly physical, and now he's starting to figure out his shot too. Paolo Bancaro has really been that kind of all-around franchise star building block that you would hope to get with the number one pick. He's in his second year, just made his first all-star game. Uh, then Franz Wagner's just one of those toolsy wings. So those three guys are really the, the building blocks for them going forward. Timberwolves fans have been really frustrated with the Wolves offense. The Magics has been even worse this year. They just have no shooting on this team at all. And once they kind of start finding those off-ball shooters. They have some young guys in the wings, uh, like a Caleb Houston, like a Jet Howard, where if they hit, they're really going to change the fortunes and the outlook for this team going forward. But once they add some shooting around those um, jumbo wings, like Franz and Paolo, uh, the, the, their their fans should be really, really excited about their future. And my apologies, Jeff called me out here. Uh, Orlando is not a sub-500 sub team. My bad. 25-23, and they have been injured quite a bit. But but to your point, man, uh, being injured, still have the record that they have. You're right, man. They The, the trajectory is, is pointing up for sure with them. And you know I'm a big NFL draft guy, and I know it doesn't equate NFL draft to NBA draft, but Suggs, what are we talking? Top five pick? Top ten pick? Manchero was what? Uh, top three pick? And uh, then Wagner yeah. in there? as well top 15 pick uh, again i know it's different nfl drafters nba draft but when you're hitting on those early first round picks man that's all it takes in the nba to hit on two or three of those guys right yeah and i we, we 
saw with the Timberwolves that they hit on one. I yeah, yeah I two with, with Carl, but yeah. um, recently with Anthony Edwards, yeah, completely flipped the fortunes and the outlook and projection of this franchise. So it, it's like you said, it, it's very different because in the NFL, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big Lions fan. So this last year, they you know they hit on four guys in the top forty picks. Dude, Lions man, totally crushing these drafts, dude, incredible, crushing, and that's such a huge part of their turnaround, obviously as well. And uh, yeah, it's just been crazy to see. I mean. You know, I know the the you know the kind of the running joke or theme is like after in the NBA draft after like pick thirteen or fifteen doesn't really matter when you hit on a, like a Jaden McDaniels too at the end of round one yep. I forget what pick he was 27, 28, somewhere in there boy that just helps so much as well uh, and it's kind of in comparison like hitting on those third fourth fifth yeah. round picks in the NFL as well just kind of the glue to the roster glue to your team and it just helps that development and progresses that team so much faster uh, we got to talk about the all-star. Uh, reserves were announced. Um, Jack said, I think on Wednesday, he expected two of these three, Ant, Cat, Rudy, to get the nod. He was obviously right. Ant with the second nod, Cat now with his fourth. Um, how snub should Rudy feel, though? Like, probably defensive player of the year, playing arguably the best ball of his career. Is the all-star game just not the place we recognize great defensive players, or did he truly get snubbed? What do you think? Um, I Yes. You know, it's just sorry to cop out, but I and yeah. I, I can understand both sides of it. Um, and you know, you, you we we look at some of the other you know quote unquote snubs with like Laurie Markinen, Demonis Sabonis, uh, Darren Fox, Rudy Gobert. Those would probably be the top four. And it's kind of where this shift back to Western Conference versus Eastern Conference has really kind of hurt some of these guys in the West because the West is absolutely loaded. And I. would assume that at least two to three of those guys would get in over some of the guys in the East if they hadn't split it up like that. So I, I think the Wolves deserve to have two um, from an all-star game, just like event standpoint. Cap's going to be the better draw just because he's a little more offensively focused and guys like Rudy don't ever do much in the all-star game. But from an accolade standpoint, I, it's tough to say anyone's been more valuable to this team and their identity this year than Rudy. So if he was upset, if he's, you know, discouraged by it and frustrated by the lack of recognition, I get it. I can understand it. And, you know, I, I don't think he's off base, but, you know, I, I, I always struggle with snubs because it's like, all right, who are you taking out? It's tough, man. It, it's so tough. Dude. I didn't realize how small those all-star rosters were. And yeah. it may, obviously it makes sense too. you know, the more you think about it, but yeah, I mean, you add him, who are you taking out? It, it's, it's not a game you would have very much fun playing if, if that was your job to figure out who goes in and who goes out. Um, just give me your quick 60 seconds. I mean, Ant and Cat should, you know, get their flowers here tonight as well. Um, you know, just just how well-deserved, I guess, is that? Just speak to how impressive they've been this year compared to the rest of the league. Like, what areas of the game have they really stuck out and excelled amongst their peers? Yeah, and with, with, with Cat, it's a real testament to – the sacrifice he's made by taking that step back, being that actual second option and still putting up really impressive numbers where he's averaging over 20 points. He's averaging eight ish rebounds. I forget off the top of my head and almost on the 50, 40, 90 shooting season as a mm -hmm. seven footer. That's incredible. Um, so, and on top of that, I know it's kind of been struggling recently, but for the entirety of the season, he's playing the best defense of his career. So it's cool to see him get rewarded for all of that. And then, you know, Anthony Edwards, he's one of the brightest young stars in the league. Um, he is the kind of 
end-all be-all with their offense. His on-ball defense has improved a ton this year. The playmaking has taken a big jump. The scoring versatility has taken a big jump. And back-to-back All-Star games at 22, it, it's really exciting for you know what the next handful of years of his career could look like. Uh, schedule coming up now on deck. Let me pull it up here. Let's see. We got Rockets coming up next at home, then Bulls, Bucks, Clippers all on the road. What, what's something that just sticks out the most or, you know, which matchup or game are you most intrigued or excited about? Yeah, and I, I think those back-to-back matchups with Milwaukee and the Clippers are going to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, just two of the best teams in the league. Milwaukee's still trying to figure out what they're doing defensively, so maybe, hopefully, that could be a nice little opportunity to spark plug the offense a little bit. Um, keeping my hopes low on that one, but <laughs> who knows? Um, and and then, you know, the this team just always steps up and plays to the level of their competition. So I'm expecting the best in those back-to-back games. Um, and then fingers crossed that they, they, they don't throw one, one of those uh, games against Portland away. Yeah. Well said going to be interesting stretch here for sure. Again, just itching for that all-star break so they can get a little rest and a big breather there and, and hopefully going to that second uh, half of the season strong. Uh, Well done tonight. As always, great to see you. Always love talking ball with you. Wolves give one away tonight after a 17 point first half lead. They lose to the magic 108, 106. They dropped to 34 and 15 on the year. They lose that one game lead now in the West now tied with OKC for first place back at home Friday versus Houston tip off for that one, 6 PM central standard time. As always, Huge shout out to everyone that hopped in the postcast with us. Always love all the feedback, the comments, the engagement. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder, you got to go check out all of Tyler's work on Twitter, at TMetcalf11. And make sure you check out the full crew on the Minnesota Basketball Party. That's each and every Wednesday afternoon. Sam Ekstrom running the show. Gophers legend Ron Johnson. Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. And one last plug, if you haven't already, you got to go check out Ben Beacon. He's just ripping it up over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Tyler Metcalf. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing off.